Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Well, welcome. My name is Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. You're in for a one-hour service with the mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We like to say here, we do what every good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style just might be a bit different than what you're used to or different than other churches in the area, but what we want you to know is we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here, and we want to guide and encourage you every week you're here. Today, we're kind of wrapping up a unique series that we've been calling Summer in the Psalms, and at the beginning of the summer, I challenge you or our church to read through all 150 psalms in the Bible. That's like 50 a month, two a day-ish. And it's almost two-thirds through summer, which should have you at about 100 psalms in. Think 50 each month, right? I think I'm doing the right math. But whether you're close to 100 or not, or maybe you're at like two, hop in and just start reading. Maybe you try to get caught up, but maybe you just do a few chapters on your own, which could be a huge win for you because you never would have read Scripture otherwise unless of this challenge which honestly, if you hop in and just do a few chapters, I think God would see that as a win for you. So whatever that is for you, hop in, start reading the Psalms this summer with us. This Sunday, like I said, it's our last message of this series that we're doing, but we're continuing on reading through August. And But what we've been doing is we've been dedicating a Sunday to help you in your reading and connecting with the Psalms that we've been going through. And the way we've been doing that is instead of me doing a full sermon, we've had people who are a part of this church share a psalm that impacted them and that stuck out to them from their reading. Psalms, again, like maybe don't know a ton about it, but what it is is it's a compilation of songs, laments, cries, poems, declarations from various people, all who God spoke through in biblical times. Today, my hope is God can speak to you through someone else other than just maybe me on stage, that, but this other person had a direct or kind of a particular draw to a psalm, and they want to help you understand maybe what God is speaking through them on how you can connect with God through this psalm as well. So for today, I'm going to invite Kelly Haas up on stage, uh, and she's going to take us through Psalm 121. Good morning. Like Aaron said, I'm Kelly Haas. And for those of you that don't know me, I've got a couple pictures on the back here, picture collages of who I am and things that I like to do. Um, my husband, Matt, is back there. Some of you might know him. And my beautiful three adult children, Riley, John, and Abby. I also have pictures of hiking and being in God's creation, um, kayaking. I also love knowledge and learning, so I like to read, but I didn't think a book, a picture of a book was that exciting, so <laughs> I didn't put that up there. Um, you might not know me by name, but maybe by face, because I'm the team leader of hospitality, and as I look out, I see team members. Um, it's a, a great place to serve if you're ever interested. Um, a lot of times we're known as the donut people, especially if you have kids and they're walking in because they're always looking at the table. Um, 
again, it's great people, and if you're, it's on your heart to serve in church and you'd be interested in doing hospitality, um, you can reach out to Aaron, to myself, or any of my team members. Um, they'll give you a lowdown. You don't even have to know how to make coffee. Um, we'll help you with everything. The other place that you may know me from is um, being a life group attender and a co-facilitator of life groups. Um, I facilitate with my husband. And today, with nerves getting up to talk in front of people, I kind of thought of this being my, like my life group. And I see there's a lot of people out there that are actually from my life group. So I thought I'd start with an icebreaker, because that's how we usually start. But then I thought, maybe not. <laughs> so. Um, life groups are wonderful if you're not attached to one. Um, in the fall, we're going to start up again. So I would, you know, you can talk to me, you can talk to other people about what those look like. It's not all icebreakers, but um, it's, it's doing life with other people and reading and understanding God's word. So that is a good thing to do. But while I'm really here today is to talk about... <laughs> Psalm 121, which if you're following the plan of Aaron's, you're not there yet, but <laughs> that doesn't make any difference. Um, but before I start, I would really love it if you would just join me in a little prayer to get me started. Heavenly and most loving and merciful Father and Creator, we love you. Thank you for everything that you create, for everyone here, our church body, and our gathering space. Open our ears, like Kip said, and our minds, and soften our hearts as we listen, as we talk, sing about your word. Let all that I say be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the psalm I'm going to talk about is 121, and a couple weeks ago, Amy was here and she talked kind of about the big framework of psalms, and Psalm 121 is part of the songs of ascent. So ascent gives that idea of going up, and what it is is pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Lord, to participate in feasts and be in the temple, the holy temple of God. So as I read through it, and it occurred to me while I was singing um, with all of you to begin with, we could really just imagine Kip with his guitar as pilgrims walking along this journey. So if you could, you know, put your visualization on while I read the psalm, that would be awesome. Verse 1, I lift my eyes to the hills, and where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over Israel. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now 
and forevermore. There's this overall assurance in this song and hope as we travel along this life journey. It tells us that we can depend on God for help as we travel through lonely country to our destination. And we're protected, not by anything that was created, but by the creator of everything. If we take our eyes off the source of assuredness, that's what I'm going to talk about today. We take our eyes off God, his son, his spirit, and we depend on ourselves or on the world. Our hope takes a digger. This psalm assures us that God never takes a break from his guardianship of us. He doesn't pass it on to anyone else. He doesn't even sleep or take a break to eat. He's always here to carry us through. Now, I think that everyone can kind of resonate with being a caretaker of some type. Just because you're not a parent, you've cared for something. But as a parent of three children, a not-so-perfect parent, I made a lot of mistakes, and I took a lot of breaks. I had to sleep. I had to eat. So there's something so, so humbling in this assurance, this guarantee and promise that God is always watching over us and loves us so completely. He knows us better than anyone. And what have I ever done in this earth plane to deserve this? His grace, his guidance, his direction and protection, and most of all, love. All I really know is that I am so grateful that he is in charge of my pilgrimage. So you've heard me say pilgrim, and you've heard me say pilgrimage, and I'm going to keep struggling through trying to say pilgrimage as I go on. <laughs> um, but what is the pilgrimage? I think that there's a definition up here of pilgrimage. The best way that I can think of it is we all know about the pilgrims that came from the Mayflower to the Americas, and why did they come here for something better? So this psalm has this idea of traveling upward towards something better. And I like it because it's this journey. We're all kind of on this life journey, aren't we? And sometimes this journey is just awesome. It's exciting and exhilarating. It's inspiring. There's hiking and kayaking, biking, hunting, fishing. There are milestones that we experience. Driver's license, graduating, leaving home, finding a life partner, getting a pet, finding our purpose and our career. It's filled with transitions and relationship building. There's beautiful waterfalls and beaches, but also hardship, tumultuous mountains, winding roads that make your palms sweat, dark valleys, and then again, awesome rainbows or double rainbows. I have experienced two parts of this journey, a BC journey and a WC journey. 
BC journey is before Christ, my pilgrimage before Christ. So circling back to the first verse in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills, and where does my help come from? Where did my help come from, BC? Well, I was on a journey of what I like to call self-betterment. I looked to my parents, I looked to education, friends, family, God, public opinion, and the world. Notice God sandwiched in there, not at the top. The help that I got, or what I was taught and I learned very well, was to do it myself. Pick myself up, motivate myself, work hard, change my attitude, do better, be better, go, go, go. Hold it in, put on a good face, fake it till you make it, say yes, be in control. And not everything that I learned was necessarily bad, of course, but my big takeaway was that I was on my own to make things happen. And where did this lead me on my pilgrimage? To a lot of anxiety. To not like myself a whole lot. I was never good enough, and neither were the people around me. Yucky face. <laughs> no one wants to be around that person. <laughs> but luckily, God had better plans for me and a much better direction. In Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a human's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Thank God. So once my God-given thirst for knowledge, the Holy Spirit's intervention, and I am sure a whole lot of prayer from the people that loved me, I was steered toward Jesus, and I am so grateful. This brings me to the second part of my pilgrimage. By the way, that picture that was up there before was me back in high school um, playing Maggie from Brigadoon, if anyone <laughs> knows that. Uh, it was a way BC picture on my journey. So now my journey with Christ, digging into God's word, my pilgrimage was better, is better, but not because the terrain is different. The world hasn't changed. There's still a lot of twists and turns, rocky hills, dark valleys. But I had surrendered my control to him, to Jesus. My focus and direction was on him. When you realize that you're not in charge and really believe it, your anxiety goes way down. I was given permission by Jesus to set it all down, depend on the Father who loves me so much that he gave his one and only son for me. So my journey changed into a bold walk, a true stepping up with a new God-given purpose to love him, love myself and others, and share his good and true word. And the picture I think that yep, is up there is, it's not my baptism picture because I couldn't, I got baptized at a different church and I didn't have that, but the day of our, my baptism and my husband's, we 
directly changed our wet clothes and got in our car with our pop-up camper and our three kids and we went to South Dakota. <laughs> and that's the picture of South Dakota and it was, it was a wonderful way to start, start a journey. It was a wonderful vacation and really good memories. So that's why that picture is up there. But as any good journey story goes, sometimes we forget. And we need reminders. So the next part of my story is God's exclamation point. So while walking with God, a lot of times he gives me these reminders. And I, I've, if you have been in my life group, you've heard me talk about God's exclamation points. Because usually it, it comes in a lot of different places. And so... Recently, I've been walking kind of a journey still with the Lord, but it's been kind of dark and it's been hard to sometimes see where God wants me to go. And as a human, I really like things easy. I think you can relate to that. I mean, we have so many innovations and inventions to make life easier. Why wouldn't I want something to be easier? And just because I do have Jesus... The journey's not easier. I'm also a very sensitive person and a very passionate person. Amy talked about the Psalms being a great place to bring that passion and that emotion, that raw emotion to God. And when I forget to do that, I end up taking that raw passion to my loved ones. Just ask my husband. <laughs> and... I think with everything that goes on in the world, I take all of that on. I see injustice. I see people hurt. I see angst. I take it on, and I want answers, and I want resolution. And there's also, in addition to all of that, there's parts in my life where my parents are getting older, and there's challenges that come with that. Some of you might understand what I'm talking about with that. And if you don't now, you will eventually. There's also challenges with parenting adult children. I hesitate to say that when you have little ones. <laughs> but it's hands-on when they're little. When they're older, it's daunting. Knowing what God wants you to say to them and when to say nothing at all and let God do what God does. Because he has it. All of this stuff wrapped up into one can send you in an, a part of your journey where you're kind of in a dark, murky place. And in addition to that, we don't always refocus on God. We like to participate in distractions and potentially numbness. My big distraction is Netflix. So when my husband looks at me and says, wow, you've gone through a lot of different seasons of blah 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 <laughs> I know I'm participating in that. But the big exclamation point for me was I'm going through this season, and then I get a call from Aaron to speak in church. I, of course, say yes with a brave face because that's who I am. But then I get home, and I'm thinking, and the anxiety and the fear set in about speaking because... I am in this sort of dark place. 
and I'm forgetting where to turn for help. And this leads me to feel like a giant hypocrite. How can I get up in church and talk about how great the Psalms are? But that's just it. Here's where God intervenes. I'm supposed to talk about the Psalms, so I get my Bible out, which I do have out. And I like to write in it. If you've ever been around me in a Bible study, you see my, my Bible's been written in. So I look to the Psalms, and I'm looking through, and I come to Psalm 121, and I have written (laughs) right next to it, I love this exclamation point. So then I have to go in and look, why is it that I love this? And you know, back to those feelings of, I feel like a hypocrite, I can't even get myself out of this spot, the exclamation point hits me. Duh. I'm not supposed to get myself out of this. I can't, but God can. So as I read through, and you read through it with me, it's this refocus. Where are you to be looking? The song and the singer are saying, look to the Lord. He's got this better than anything he has created. He's got this. So I decided to say that this was an attitude adjuster for me. And then I looked up attitude adjuster. And this is what I found on Google. I'm like, oh God, is this what I need as a good <laughs> a good crack? <laughs> Maybe so. But I to soften a little bit, it's that refocusing. And also, Amy talked about the Psalms being prescriptions for things. And if my anxiety is high or I'm feeling pretty low, this Psalm and many other Psalms are a prescription for that peace. Looking to the Lord who created all the beautiful trees, the mountains, the sky, the oceans, animals, my family, my friends and me, my church. He'll watch over me and protect me, never let my foot slip, never leave me alone, and he loves me. He never takes a break. Let that sink in a little bit. I want to thank you for letting me tell you about my God's prescription, or my God's exclamation points for my prescription. and how he's helped me on my pilgrimage and journey. You see, God wants to be central in our lives, and quite frankly, when he's not, we end up in that really dark place where we don't know how to get ourselves out of it because we can't. So in addition to that exclamation point, there's usually a lot. One of them was that this new song by a modern-day psalmist, Ellie Holcomb, happened to come out. It's called, I Will Carry You. And to me, it was one more place where God's like, see, this is just another person singing my praises and telling you and reminding you that I have this and I will carry you and I see you and I know you. So how about you? Where are you on your pilgrimage? Are you doing it by yourself? Where do you go from, for help, for problem solving, direction, 
I know a lot of people don't like to ask direction on their journey. (laughs) But it's my sincerest hope and prayer that you look to the hills, that you look to him. And I'd just like to leave you with um, the song that Ellie Holcomb wrote, I Will Carry You. Thank you. I know you're tired, I see it in your eyes All that anxiety that rules your mind I'll be your shield when you don't feel like you've got strength enough to fight I'll stand by your side Awesome. So my big takeaway from Kelly's message is faith is a journey. Like when you step into it or into a life WC with Christ versus BC before Christ, you are embarking on a pilgrimage or journey of allowing God to guide you and to change your life more and more like he intended. Sure, to make the decision to, to embark on a pilgrimage or to say, I'm with Christ now. It can be this drastic, and many times it is a drastic decision for a lot of us. But when you make it, it's not like you instantly or magically are this perfect Christian and everything is just perfect for you from then on out. You've just said yes to trying. You've said yes to accepting his forgiveness and guidance and grace, but then you're responding by trying to follow his ways, and that's the journey. Saying yes to Jesus It gives you salvation in the end, but it doesn't make this living for him a cakewalk. You are to continue to journey with Christ for all your days, and that's your pilgrimage with him. That seems like a lot, right? It seems like a a, kind of a burden in a sense, but that was my takeaway from Kelly's message, and I hope you leave desiring to seek God more, but knowing it's a lifelong journey to maybe get to where you want to be or where he wants you to be. For our remaining five to ten minutes of time together, I want to talk to you about one of the things that I think should happen early on in a pilgrimage to a forever life with Jesus, and it's called baptism. Uh, I want to paint a clear picture of what baptism is, what it isn't, why you maybe should get baptized, or why you maybe shouldn't get baptized. And to start, like, baptism... What it means is it's, it means to immerse in water, and it's something we both see Jesus do and his followers do when they choose to follow God. That's what baptism means, and that's what it is. But me stating that, it doesn't probably create this like crystal clear picture of exactly what baptism looks like or what it is. If you've been in the church world for a while, or maybe you, maybe you haven't been in the church world, and you're like, you have some of these pictures in your mind of what baptism is you probably have some interesting images in your mind. It could be maybe this. This is actually like at the Jordan River. Uh, People, sometimes it's a really powerful moment. Sometimes it's a really touristy moment. You can buy the gown in the gift shop and go on in. My wife and I were actually here, and 
Make sure you wear things underneath the gown. Um, um, maybe it's this. Maybe it's like a sprinkling on the head, or maybe it's an infant baptism. Maybe it's, maybe it's this. Like in your mind, you've, you've seen the images on, on Facebook before, people in big tubs. When baptism is life, but so is wrestling and these body slams. Maybe, maybe it goes to an extreme, like you're like, Aaron's kind of young. Like, that, that's my name. Aaron's kind of young. Maybe he's really into this type of thing. Check it out. Like, sometimes this is maybe an image you have of baptism. Some body slams of some sort. Or my favorites, we're both going in. Now, those are maybe some images you have in your mind of what baptism looks like. Now, I don't want to poke fun, or I'm not trying to make fun of other places. Honestly, that, that last one especially, like, I've seen the, the pastor kind of share a testimony of, like, why he does it and that way. And it's a powerful thing for the people that are, have made this decision. They want to follow Jesus with their life, and he wants to celebrate that. And that's kind of a fun thing they have together. But that is not really how we do baptism here at Center Point. It's not really any of those. It's pretty laid back here, actually. It's, we've done it in a pool um, where literally it's at Taylor Park Pool. You're in the water. You don't have to wear white. You can wear whatever you want in there. Uh, or we've done it even in one of those cheap Coleman hot tubs, you know, right here in this space. Uh, but we do it that way, and it's pretty laid back. But I want you to know baptism is not a laid back action. And we do it this way in a, in a kind of a chill way because it's all about the decision and not really about what you wear, how it's done, how you do it, where it is. So that's kind of what baptism looks like here at this church. But what is it exactly? Like, what actually is it? Why is it so important for a Christian or a follower of Jesus? Well, baptism, what it is, is it represents this moment where people are publicly stating that they are a follower of Jesus. That they're putting away this life symbolically, this old life of not following Jesus, of, of doing things on their own, and they're kind of dunking that life underwater, and then they're coming up new and clean uh, with a life that's fully committed to following Jesus. It's kind of like this restart, but it shows that they're moving forward with a relationship with God. In Scripture, you see this happens numerous times, but where you maybe don't know about baptism, or what you maybe don't know about baptism, is it's usually the next response of someone who chooses to follow Jesus. Or when they make the decision to repent from their old ways, they then get baptized. Check this out. In Acts 2, 41, it says, So those who received his word were baptized. They received Jesus. They get baptized. Acts 8, 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts 8, 36 and 38, it, it says, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from getting baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Acts 16, 33, And he took them the, the same hour of that night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And all of these, the people, they make this decision to embark on a pilgrimage to follow God and try their best to live aligned with him. But one of the first things they do after they make that decision is they get baptized. It's not meant to be this thing you do when you're at the top of the mountain, when you reach your summit, where, when you reach the point of your pilgrimage. 
when you feel that you're a perfect Christian or you have it all figured out, you have no doubts. Yes, that never happens. But baptism, it's the step in the beginning stages to catapult you forward, to guide you and to give you a moment to reflect on in your journey with God, especially for you to reflect on when you're struggling later on. It's this moment your church, your friends, your family members can rally behind both how God sees you clean, new, forgiven, and also is this moment where you can reflect on where you've come from. Now, there's a really powerful example of, of this, of how God has been using baptism or the concept of baptism even since the beginning uh, of the Bible, of, or early on in the Bible. If you've been in the church world for a while, you've probably heard about this guy named Moses. If not, Moses was of God's chosen people uh, who, uh, who God communicated with and who God wanted to use to free God's people, the Hebrew people. Because back then in Moses' time, God's people were enslaved by the Egyptians or Pharaoh, and they were enslaved and they were working for them for years, like 400-some years well, God speaks to Moses and wants him to confront this Egyptian leader to let his people free. The Pharaoh or leader, obviously, he's like, I'm not giving away my free labor. No, he doesn't give them away for free. So God gives these plagues to show what must happen, to show Pharaoh, you need to let these people go. If you haven't heard the story before, you got to read Exodus, or at the very least, like maybe watch Prince of Egypt. It definitely tells the story well. But it gets to this point where they're finally released. God's people are released. They're freed by God. And these thousands of Hebrews are now free by God and are embarking on this journey to this promised land God has for them. They start following Moses. But they get to the Red Sea. And it's this giant roadblock for them. I mean, the Red Sea, like if you look at the map... It's not like this, like, cute little river that, like, oh, we'll just go across real quick. It's this roadblock that they need to cross to get to the other side. And to make matters worse, what happens is Pharaoh kind of, like, pulls back on his decision to let the people go. He's like, oh, I just let all my free laborers go. And he starts going after them. They chase after them because he wants to enslave them again. So he attempts to get them back while they're at the standstill at the Red Sea. If you're daydreaming or we're daydreaming real quick, let me just recap for you. They go from slavery to freedom to a roadblock with their past master coming back for them. They realize real quick, just because we're free, it doesn't mean life's easy. To continue our story, as the Egyptians and the Pharaoh is about there for them, they trust God's next step for them, which is this miraculous step that God provides of causing the splitting of the Red Sea so that they can pass through. I'm picturing something like this, you know, like the seas just are, the walls are spreading out. People are able to walk through, yet as the Egyptians come, they are not. They are not. Well, as this is happening, what many scholars believe is symbolically that when they're walking through this water, the Red Sea Shortly after a life of slavery, of hurt, of the stuck-in-the-rut feeling, of moments of unfulfillment, of lack of purpose, no direction, they're going through the water, like immersion, getting to the other side for a restart or a new life, just like baptism. To us, 
Many of us have seen this act as maybe just this incredible moment in, in, in Exodus with Moses, and we get to see this miraculous act. But for them who actually went through the water, it was leaving behind their old life and remembering their decision for the new in a big way. It was putting to action their newfound freedom. It was following through with a direction from their leader, God. It was a moment their friends and family members can always reflect on as, remember when God did that for us. Let's reflect on that, is what they have for themselves. Moses' people experienced a baptism-like moment that forever changed them. And that is exactly what God wants for you with immersive baptism today. It's so powerful, right, when you know that context. They just, they just, like you, didn't know what's next after they did this immersive baptism or this walk through the water. But they did know that they were going to trust Jesus and they're going to trust and walk with him, WC. I think this is so fitting for us as a church to think about in the process and to just hear, because I think we have so many people here at this church that would say they've recently decided to follow Jesus, or they've recommitted the, their life to Him, or they finally feel like, I've, I finally feel like I understand maybe how God can be involved in my life, and I feel like He's real for the first time. I think there are so many people here that are at that point in this church. If that's you, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Scripture's example says, in Acts twenty-two sixteen. check this out. It says, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Let the ways of God be what catapults you closer to him. That helps you walk with him in your pilgrimage. Now, I think some of you might be like, oh, all right, I guess I'm sort of interested. I think I'm in. But I have some questions about this, I, uh, and I want to kind of maybe ease some of your mind into a little bit by answering some of your questions just briefly. Is baptism a weird center point thing? No. Baptism is a biblical religious act that, let's be real, all religious acts that Christians follow, they, cannot, they kind of feel semi-weird until you really know what they're all about. But baptism, again, is for you in this moment for you to publicly declare to yourself to God, to others around you, that you are moving forward in a life with God. Maybe another question you maybe have is, do I have to be baptized to be saved or to go to heaven someday? No. No, baptism is just an outward action to show what's going on inside your heart. It's a public way of showing what you've decided in your heart. Your relationship and commitment with Jesus is what saves you. That's what gets you to heaven. What's the prerequisite to getting baptized is maybe a question you have. You simply need to have a relationship with Jesus. At a time where at some point you said, I want to follow Jesus. I want him to lead my life. Forgive me of my wrongs. If you've done that, you're ready for baptism. Maybe two more questions you have is, what if, what if I've been baptized before either as an infant or an adult or a teen early in my life? Well, infant baptism is a special moment for parents. I was baptized as a baby Yet it wasn't a moment I personally remember. It wasn't something I decided. With that, in baptism being something that we saw, something that followers make or do after making a commitment of following Jesus, and it being something that can catapult your faith in your pilgrimage, if you've been baptized as a baby and you feel like, oh, I feel like maybe I should do this, you definitely should get baptized then. If you've been baptized as a teen or an adult, you might be thinking, should I do it again? 
This is a tougher one. This is a tougher one as there's no reason for you to get baptized again if you've been baptized at one point early on as a teen or made a decision to get baptized. But maybe you feel this tug, this tug being something that you want to have happen to help you on your journey. If when you first maybe got baptized, it just didn't feel right, or maybe it wasn't a serious, or maybe it wasn't a moment that, like, that you felt catapulted your faith or your pilgrimage, if that's you, I'd love to talk with you more about getting baptized again. Now, I know I'm getting a bit long, or today's getting a bit long, but this is hugely important stuff to know as a church. This is actually the stuff that Centerpoint Church is all about. Our mission here, you heard me say it in the beginning, is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Baptism is an amazing next step, whether you're just starting to follow Jesus, or you're just getting your faith figured out, or you've been doing it for a while and you never have. Baptism is a next step for you. Again, Scripture says, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. If that's you, sign up. There's a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center. There's a packet with more information. You can grab a coffee with me sometime during the week. We can talk after the service. But I'm excited for those next steps that maybe people are processing as they go on their pilgrimage with God. Would you pray with me as I close us out and Kip closes us out with some music? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this is an example of how you're there for us in our pilgrimage. God, I just pray that as we, as we reflect on those next steps that we need to take with you, whether that's just seeking you more, seeing you more, or maybe it's baptism, God. I just pray that you have us, have us process really what it is that you want us to do. And if that is baptism, God, I just pray that you help us move forward with that next step. Help it be something that catapults our faith that we can forever look back on and reflect on how you will forever see us, even in our mess-ups in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.